This is a conversation with Sherry Maples. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Serge. So, Sherry, you're a founder of the Center for Mindfulness and Justice, and after having been a high achiever in the realm of uh, doing things, uh, you have shifted your attention to uh, maybe being, in contrast to that. Um, do you want to say a little bit about that? Well, it took me quite a while to understand that the quality of your doing actually depends on the quality of your being. So I, I think that when you begin to focus on being and just being with what is in the present moment and being in the present moment, the quality of your doing gets a lot better in that you're not chasing your tail anymore. You're not doing just for the sake of doing. You're not doing to avoid yourself. Your your doing is coming from a place of internal peace and, and contentment, which means your internal and external worlds are more aligned. Mm. So, in other words, um, when I make the distinction between being and doing, uh, what you're saying is that actually not a loss of doing, but actually a better quality of doing when you focus more on how you are, on being. I think so. It, it, when we're so often using the, the doing mode of our, our mind, and of course that's what's rewarded and what brings us success in the external world. We can never not be in the doing mode of mind because it's necessary to our not only our personal and professional, quote, success, unquote, but for our ability to just to manage the daily details of our lives, to plan in any way to get from point A to, to point B. So it's not that the doing mode of mind is problematic, it's just that it's often overdeveloped mm. at the expense of the being mode of mind. Yeah, yeah, so overdeveloped. Um, and, uh, and what we're doing in this conversation is um, talking to people who are maybe um, uh, focused on that overdeveloped mode of doing achieving and um, maybe are not so aware of it because it's second nature. Uh, so having been one of these people, um, as you're now on the other side where you focus more on also being, uh, how is it that you could reach people who are not quite aware of what they're losing? Well, I think the the internal check is always, do I feel peaceful, happy, and content in my life? Is what I'm doing in the external world adding to a sense of contentment about myself, or is it building up a sense of irritation and frustration for some reason? So, for example... In my extreme doing mode, when I was driven a lot by success and, and achievement, there was a time in my life when I was going to law school, working full-time as a, as a cop at night, and raising two 
young sons as a single parent. Uh, there's barely time to watch a video when you're doing all of that. The thing that saved me, of course, is that I shared uh, custody of my two sons with with an ex-partner, so there was half the time that I didn't have them, but as uh, a cop and as a law student and a lawyer, what I noticed is that I was constantly honing my analytical skills, and as part of those advocacy skills, we learn how to anticipate and punch holes in the logic of others, and we rely on the doing mode for doing this, and the being mode of of mind is the exact opposite of this. So rather than thinking about things from a problem-solving mode, we're experiencing them directly. And so we're training for a stability of mind that can hold all that we experience without attempting to fix, suppress, erase, judge, analyze it. And trying hard does work in the doing mode of mind. It is responsible for, I'm not... I don't regret the success I've had in the external world, but what I have found is that trying hard is really quite empty when you get to the end of it. There's always something else to try hard about, and that trying hard does not work at all in developing the being mode of mind. And what I mean by that is that trying hard will not help in learning how to work with the patterns of the mind. Uh, learning how to work with the healthy and harmful patterns. You can't forcibly control the mind. In fact, the exact opposite is required. The attitude is actually one of kindness and of openness and acceptance so that you can see what's there to be discovered and be with it without so much struggling. So I want to use that as a way to come back to the doing mind because you're talking now about an attitude of kindness, gentleness, uh, being with it. And when you were talking about the doing mind, um, you were talking about uh, problem solving and also about uh, being judgmental, critical, and uh, in a way what seems to be mostly oriented to responding to threats. So in other words, the doing mind, uh, you know, as you describe it, is an attitude of readiness to respond to threats and an attack mode, whereas the uh, being mind, as you describe it, is one that is gentle because it probably feels safe and is able to take things in uh, without having to be in a defensive mode. Is that uh, part of your experience? Well, it, it is, but the one caveat is is that the, the desire to avoid pain and seek pleasure is hardwired into that response that you were just describing, which is generally thought of, of as the fight-or-flight response to a stimulus that provokes something in us. And it's not that we, we do need to accomplish certain things in the world. Our lives require some sort of planning, uh, but how do we, how do we do that analysis and that problem solving and that judgment? Where is the space that we do that from? Is it a reactive space or is it a calm and content 
space that isn't about achieving or grasping, but is aligned with something besides being goal-oriented. And, you know, the, the unique beauty about the, the being mode of mind is that it doesn't demand that we believe in anything other than our own direct experiences. That's the compost for the being mind. What are our own direct experiences? It doesn't demand that we believe in any, anything or not believe in anything. And eventually, we learn simply about relaxing with how life is and not resisting the fact that things end, that everything's changing all the time. Yeah, so um, that sense of uh, uh, paying attention to, being open to our own experiences. It's not a question of um, belief in something external, simply that attention, that desire and ability to put attention on what's happening. Precisely, and I think so often the doing mode of mind, we, the doing mode of mind tells us that in order to be a better person, we have to try harder. That, in fact, that's how most of us go about trying to be a better person, mm-hmm. is to achieve and try harder. That's so, what we've taught, and that's what has been applauded our whole lives. So, if we imagine for a moment that you could travel in time, and be uh, in the same room as the Sherry of back then, who was so focused on doing and achieving, um, how would you give her a glimpse of that experience? Well, that's easy, because I did have a glimpse of, of that experience when I ended up at my very, very first uh, mindfulness retreat as a as a uh, cop who had been in that doing mode for about seven years. I ended up, and what was so powerful about that is finding that there was a certain spaciousness within my being that I could access that felt connected to something much larger than myself. It was just learning how to stop and connect with that that sense of a vastness, that sense of all there is. Um, and that can't be found by the doing mode of mind. But no. once you get a glimpse of that, once you get a glimpse of that, it makes you want to return to that well for more and more. And so in the beginning, that's all you get are glimpses of it. And that's all I got in the beginning was a glimpse of it. But the inner, the inner self, the inner self that we're talking about, the uh, people can call it whatever they want, their, their divine nature, but you, the true self knows when you're connecting with that part of things. And it feels very, very different than the achievement, judging, analyzing way of of being. It's not that you have to give that up. It's that you bring that sense of being, that sense of equanimity, that sense of being able to rest in the in spaciousness and vastness to the quality of your doing. And that's what I mean when I say that the quality of your doing becomes dependent on the quality of your being. 
Mm-hmm. You don't have to fight for things. Yeah, there's a more there's a more organic sense of things unfolding. And and there, we also have to recognize that being ambitious and competitive and overworking and overdoing and overachieving. There, it's not that there's not a positive side to this. People who are overachievers often learn how to take risks. They don't operate from a place of fear. Uh, they don't, uh, they're often very successful in building credentials and external successes because of their go for it nature. It's part of a, a winning formula and it provides the security of some important external accomplishments. But the problem is, is in and of itself, it reaches a point of diminishing returns long before people usually realize it. And the thing that really caught my attention early on is somebody asking me the question, if your life continues on the course it is now on, what is your predictable future? Mm-hmm. And that's, and, and that, that really forced me to focus, if the past is an indicator in any way of the future, if something doesn't change, that really forced me to look at, well, what has my life been about? And I found that it had been about being ambitious, being competitive, overworking, overdoing, and overachieving. When I was honest with myself, not that there weren't some real payoffs for those things, but did I want that to be my legacy? Did I want that to be my life signature was the question. Yeah. Is it what you're working for, for just continuing more of the same, or are you working for more than that? Exactly. So I think for me, to get back to that question, what happened is that I used... I used a moment to just stop and take stock of where I was and to get more curious about the causes and the conditions of the things that were driving me. Yeah, yeah. So, in a way, first comes the question of um, which you can answer even from a doing mode, from an analytical mode, of just take a moment to see if... Things continue to go the way they are. Is this the life you want? Or something of that nature. And as you do that, it gives you the motivation for trying something that gives you an experience of connecting more to yourself, connecting to something larger, connecting to a sense of being. And as you have glimpses of that, you're going to want more of it. And as you have more of it, you discover that actually it's not hindering the quality of what you're doing far from that. Yes, and I think that it it also is about really giving some thought to what I'm calling your life signature. This is something that Tietnan Han talks about. Our life signature is the stamp, basically, that our life puts on the planet with our thoughts and our actions and our behaviors, how we are going to continue on in other people and other things. So when 
I think about getting to the end and uh, of my life, and I'm trying to talk to my children about what was important in my life. I'm certainly not going to say I wish I would have worked more. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be very something very very different in that the the message that I want to to leave them with is is basically going to be something that we generally all wish for at the end and that is was was I a kind person was I a loving person was I a caring person was I a compassionate person did my did my presence on this planet make a difference in terms of the collective energy of the planet through my relationships with others. Relationship is basically the litmus test of, of spirituality. So how, how are you interacting with people? What's yeah. important to you? Is it being expressed in that, in, in your relationships? Yeah, so, so it's a, it's a scorecard, but it's a scorecard of a different kind. It's not, um, how much stuff did you pile up? But what was the quality of your presence, of your relationship? Well, and it, I think most people, at least when I've been with good friends of mine who have been in the last stages of their life, they're really interested in examining whether or not the things that matter the most were at the mercy of the things that mattered the least to them. And, of course, what's more important than what we offer every day in our thoughts, speech, and actions in terms of that? But also when you get down to practical realities is, um, you know, if we don't water the seeds of joy in ourselves and find ways to do that, we are not going to be able to do that with other people. And until we get clear about what we stand for and what we want to stand for, um, the things that matter the most will always be at the mercy of the things that matter the least. Yeah, and so when you say that, it's so clear that uh, the way you view things is something that is about empowerment. It certainly is not about um, a sense of giving up on the world or giving up on uh, what you enjoy, but actually getting the power to do what you truly enjoy as opposed to what you think you have to do and that prevents you from doing what you really want to do. Exactly. Uh, I think that's a, a very good description of it. You can bring all of your talents and skills and the things you've developed. It doesn't mean not caring or not being able to function in the world. It means aligning your internal and external world, world so that you feel very good about what you're doing in the world. And ironically, that... That requires some proactive planning and time management. It requires some thought. You can't wait until you do things. Wait to do. You can't wait until you feel like doing it, or you will never do it. Is basically um, what I have found, and this holds true for things as small as putting yourself in nurturing environments with friends by making time to have a cup of coffee for them or engaging in the activities that really water the seeds of joy for you. And each one of us has to 
discover what those activities are for ourselves. But if we are overachieving and overdoing, and we wait until we feel like doing something different, it won't happen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so so that's also in contrast to the idea that, uh, uh, in a way, the mode of doing, of being focused on achievement, is really focused on self, and there is some kind of a, uh, a selflessness of losing a quality of, uh, uh, of being a, a real person when you are into being, because actually what you're describing is um, the mode that you call being is actually one of paying attention to what matters most to you, so in a way of being more selfish in a good way. Yes, that's that's the great irony of it, but I think that you can't really begin to align your internal and external worlds in the way that we're talking about until you have a real desire to do something different, until... It's really the discontentment with what is that drives us to be more content with what is. So nobody comes to any sort of path of change or any spiritual path whatsoever because their life is just dandy and they're feeling great about it. Um, There's a sense of discontent, a, a sense of wherever I go, there I am. A sense of, okay, I've I've done this, I've achieved this, I've achieved that, why am I still feeling empty? Uh, so one has to have a desire for it to be different, to make it different. So to, to reframe this, um, what you're saying is if you feel empty, if you feel that things are not working out, actually um, a good way to deal with it is to think of it as a great opportunity to make a change into something that's going to be much more satisfying. It's not just something to put a band-aid on, but actually a call to action. Correct. And and I think that's that's what happens is that our 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 biggest challenges are both our biggest opportunities. And what could be more challenging than thinking about what I want my life signature to be? What is it what core values do I want operating in me so that everything that I do in my personal life, at work, in my relationships, and everywhere on the planet is aligned with those things? Uh, the intention and coming back to the intention over and over and over and the ability to recognize when something is not in, in alignment with that intention is what drives all of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that feels like a great place maybe to uh, to conclude this. Do you think this is it, or would you want to add some words to it? Well, we could always go into more detail, but I think that stopping here and, and understanding that less is more in, in most areas is, is probably more than appropriate for this, this the kind of thing that we're talking about. Thanks, Jerry. This conversation is part of the What Sustains Me project. See the website at whatsustainsme.com. I think that you can't really begin to align your internal and external worlds in the way that we're talking about until you have a real desire 
to do something different until it's really the discontentment with what is that drives us to be more content with what is. So nobody comes to any sort of path of change or any spiritual path whatsoever because their life is just dandy and they're feeling great about it. Um, there's a sense of discontent, uh, a sense of wherever I go, there I am. A sense of, okay, I've, I've done this, I've achieved this, I've achieved that, why am I still feeling empty? Uh, so one has to have a desire for it to be different, to make it different. So to, to reframe this, um, what you're saying is if you feel empty, if you feel that things are not working out, actually um, a good way to deal with it is to think of it as a great opportunity to make a change into something that's going to be much more satisfying. It's not just something to put a band-aid on, but actually a call to action. Correct, and, and I think that's that's what happens, is that our, our our biggest challenges are both our biggest opportunities. And what could be more challenging than thinking about what I want my life signature to be? What is it? What core values do I want operating in me so that everything that I do in my personal life, at work, in my relationships, and everywhere on the planet is aligned with those things? Uh, the intention and coming back to the intention over and over and over and the ability to recognize when something is not in, in alignment with that intention is what drives all of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that feels like a great place maybe to, uh, to conclude this. Do you think this is it or would you want to add some words to it? Well, we could always go into more detail, but I think stopping here and, and understanding that less is more in, in most areas is, is probably more than appropriate for this, this, the kind of thing that we're talking about. Thanks, Jerry. This is part of the Active Pause podcast at activepause.com.